0: Welcome to the Yeshivish Shalmayla Guttgeben Shcher to allow our listeners. This week we're going to be continuing what we had started. Sort of we call the Tichla Lashanavakil Layser. We didn't get to finish some of the topics. First one is going to be about the OK. We got a lot of voicemails and letters about it. We thought it'd be worth discussing. And here is the issue with the OK. The uh, Kosher Chinese Express in Manalapan, And may I say only in Manalapan there are other Chinese restaurants across New Jersey that have nothing to do with the OK or with the uh, owner of the Manalapan one. Some that has been falsely reported. You have to look at your restaurant and it's hasha. But the, the, kosher, the Chinese kosher express in was found to be serving novella, kiputai They were buying their meat at the restaurant depot and serving it. And the mashkiach, who at the time left in 2004, Rabbi Yudel Shane said he was very concerned about giving the owner the key to the refrigerator and the key to the restaurant, and he was overruled by the uh, owner of the OK. Here's what Rabbi Shane
1: said. He calls me up, he says, the guy's putting a lot of pressure on him. He wants a key to the place. I say, by me, it doesn't go. I have to feel comfortable with this and that. He says, well, by the OK, we don't have those kind of things, and we are going to allow him to have a key. I said, Daniel, if that's the story, I'm telling you, I'm leaving. And I went over to the boss, Ken, and I told them, if you do, go and change the locks, and because of that, you're going to have a key. I am leaving. I don't care what happens to your business. It doesn't make a difference, but that's not the way. They went, to change the lock. I left.
0: So we're going to be discussing some of the letters we got about that and calls. The next topic we're going to be discussing is finishing us off. Why you, Kia Dua, had a Supreme Court ruling that said they had to allow um, same-gender clubs in the yeshiva. So we bring on, we brought on Rabbi Michael Broyd, who's a professor of law at Emory, as well as a rab member of the RCA and a world expert, perhaps the expert in the United States on law and religion. And he's also going to be speaking about what happened in yeshivas Magin David, where they hired a teacher who was from the opposite gender, dressed up as a woman who originally was a male, and it created a big brocha. How did protect your yeshivas from something like this happening uh, to you? So Rabbi Michael Broyd will be from Atlanta, from Erich. Uh, Stroll, we're going to have Rabbi Eli Azarovsky, who's going to be speaking halachically. Do any of these surgeries, changes, etc., have any halachic implication? Some rather surprising opinions from Gedeleim, like the Tzitzel, Yez, etc., should be for a very fascinating, interesting she'er. Before we go to our she'er, I'd like to say a little thought, now that, you know, the Yom um, Narayim are over. Rabbi writes that the days of tshuva, ending with Yom Kippur, are about setting us free. You know, we're about to begin a big journey, a new year. So many adventures, so much to do. You can't start a marathon with a pack of bricks on your back. So the kia at the end of Yom Kippur is you're free. And that's why, by the way, we throw the Averis into the water. They're not bogging us down. So we forgive our all those we love. We forgive our spouses, our parents, partners, bosses neighbors etc and we ask them for forgiveness because kaviachal for forgiveness there's only one person we don't ask for forgiveness and we don't forgive and we carry that around with us all the time Who was that let me tell you a woman came to me she said 30 years ago 30 years ago when she was 18 she started going out and the second boy she went out with was wonderful and she would have married him, but she said, you know, I'm only 18. I got to see, there's got to be better boys out there. I can't be the second boy. So she said no. And went by a few months. That boy became a chassan. And a year later, she became a kala. She says, it's 30 years later. And every day in the morning, I wake up and I think, I married the wrong person. He became a star. He was everything I wanted a husband to be. She said, my cousin, current husband, he's a nice person. I made a terrible mistake. I can't forgive myself. I carry it around myself. I carry it around on my back every day. And so do we. Did you forgive yourself this Rosh Kippa? Did you let go of your regrets? I remember years ago, I, I was with Ramosha Shapiro, Lavrach, a Sadik of mine, and I asked him, is there any Makar in the Torah and Chazal that you have to forgive yourself? And he thought and he said, no, not that I know of. Well, I saw the Hagdama of Rav Shumenshqab, the Sharyosha, and he writes like this. He says, what's the definition of an Adam Gadol? He says a small person loves himself. A little bit of a bigger person loves his family. Somebody bigger loves his neighborhood. He sees them all as an extension of self. His family, his friend, his neighbor, somebody bigger loves the whole city. Somebody really giant loves the world. That's a Gadol. But it begins, you love yourself and it extends out of there like angry people. Do they really, can they really love others? And then I said, what's the Makayar of Shimon? And it came to me, Va hafta Love your neighbor, your friend, like you love yourself. If you don't love yourself, you can't love him. So it all emanates that I forgive myself. Do I love myself? In fact, the Balatanya writes, it's uh, It's in, I believe it's in the end of Hazinu, kol Mecha b'tshuva. I remember when I read this Maim, I was learning in Eretz Yisrael, I was, a bu- I was just married, and Ramesh Shapiro, of all things, was in the neighborhood, in Sanhedrin Mercheved, for Shabbos. And it was Shabbos Sukkis. I was so excited, I went running in middle of the night to the house where he was to tell him the chiddish of the uh, of this palatanya. It's in Likutei Torah, and Hazinu, kol yamecha betshuva. And he writes, what is all of Chuva? What is all of tshuva? He says, well, the Rabbeinu says, Vayi Shavas. Rabbi was Shavas. Shavas means to return and to rest. Where did he return to? Baltani says, he says, you know, when you're thinking about something, you're totally engrossed. And then, like, you close the sefer or the book or whatever it is, and suddenly, like, you snap back, oh, here I am. He says, the Rabbeinu was Niskashir and He created the world. And when it was over, he returned. And you know where he returned to? Himself. He writes, all of tshuva, is about returning to self the same idea you can't do tshuva if you're angry at yourself the essence of tshuva at the end of it returning to yourself and the same thing we have the Gemara and shua says there's an issa to curse yourself why if you curse yourself can you be va can you do can you start your journey can you do all the things you're supposed to do when you wake up in the morning if you're angry at yourself, if you're full of regret, if you resent what you've done? Another halacha, isn't there an isa to hurt yourself, to be chayval in self? And it will kill you. You know what others can't do to you? You yourself can. That anger that you carry around in you, that poison, it will kill you. For seven days, Hashem is trying to convince Maisha. Let my people go take the Jews out of Mitzrayim, take the Eden out. And Misha comes up with excuse after excuse. Peh, how will they believe me? Finally, the Rabbi Nishom turns to him and he says, "Moshe, what do you have in your hand? And Moshe says, Amata, a matta, stick. So he says, Hashlichayu Arta, v'yanas mipanav, turns into a snake. Misha runs away from it. What's the message here? Why is he telling to him as he after all these days? Maisha's is full of pessimism, of fear. I can't do it. I can't do it. Rabbi Shlom says, "Look in your hand. What do you have? What do you got?" He says I got a, a staff. That's what a shepherd carries, right? A mata. He was a shepherd. He might have met him by the by, so He said, "Throw it on the ground." What does it mean? What is the staff to a shepherd? Everything. It's his walking stick. It's his climbing. Whatever climbers carry when they cut. If a sheep gets out of the way, he guides him back. If a a beer or a wolf comes, it's his weapon. It's everything he has. He says, what's your power? What do you got in your hand, your power? He says, throw it down. What does it mean? The power that Hashem gives you, it's nothing. You are smart. Eh, I'm an idiot. You're handsome. Eh, there are better looking people than me. You're energetic. Eh, there's people I'm I'm really... Throw it, abuse what Rabbi Nisholm gave you. And you know what it becomes? Vahila nachash. It becomes a snake. And Moshe runs in terror. Because nothing can hurt you. Nothing can terrorize you as much as you terrorize yourself. He says, Masha, you're full of fear. I can talk all day and all night. If you're full of fear and you're convinced that you're fearful, I can't do anything. He says, grab it by the tail. And Masha grabs it and becomes a staff again. Only one person can fix all those angers, fears, regrets that you have. And you know who that is, Ramon John tells them? You. Grab it by the tail. I give you the power to grab it. Pick it up. But how do we do that? Hashem told me I should do it. How do we let go? And there are many ways, but I'm going to share just one. What do we say in Slichas? First opening chapter of Slichas. What could I say to you? I'm so wrong, Hashem. What could I do? I'm totally, absolutely wrong. I'm speechless. Now, who said these words? Where did the python get it from? astonishingly, he gets it. Binyamin is framed. Yosef has them put into Binyamin's knapsack, the silver gavia of the mela, cover it with coins, and then they go out, they catch Binyamin, and they say, what's in your knapsack? What's going on over here? They ask him with, you know, astonishment. And Yehuda looks, and the gavia is there. And he says, I I don't know what to say. I'm speechless. You're absolutely right, he tells Yosef. Well, who was right? Yosef or Yehuda? When Yehuda says Yosef you're absolutely right and I'm speechless and absolutely wrong Yehuda was being framed when he says these words so actually Yosef was totally wrong and Yehuda was right isn't this a strange way to start the sliches Ravani Shalom you're absolutely right and I'm speechless the words of Yehuda what's the hint here is maybe the python telling you maybe you're not as guilty as you think and why is that we say in the Yud Gimel Midas Arachman, One of them is these are the, the methods of forgiveness. Kehil Rachamachan Khanan Erehapaim v'Rav Chesed One of the ways to forgive is through truth, which is counterintuitive. Usually, you forgive. You say, Yeah, he didn't mean it. You really know he didn't mean it. Ah, yeah, she didn't mean it. Well, my mother-in-law, she really, my mother, she really does. You know, you fudge it. So why is Emes? And a wise person once said, To know all is to forgive all. If you really knew. You would forgive. What I'm saying is a chazal and a possek of Noira Alila al It's an incredible Alila, a plot against Baniyadam. It says, All of creation, I mean, we never stood a chance. You knew we were going to do our virus. And did you ever wonder? And by the Yom Kippur, by Kol Nidre, all the Sifrei Torah are out. You say Bishivu Shalomaylo, Bishivu Sholmata, and when you say Venistach lechaladas bnei Yisrael, ki bishgaga, it's a shaygig. It's a shy gig. It's not a shy gig. Most of the things we do are absolutely mazed. No, 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 no. It's not a mazed. It's a shy gig. If you really had a chance, would have you, wouldn't have you done things differently? Wouldn't have I done things differently? Life isn't fear. It's noira b'nei adam. So ki Khala am b'shkaga. And that's what the Python starts with. <laughs> he says, hey, manoy These are the words of the fellow who's been framed. So what do I say? Of course, we are supposed to do the best we can. And each of us ultimately has Bechira. We can, but it's it's very often. It takes a, a, a Herculean effort, and we could say it's a shy gig. What do I say to this girl? I say, you were 18, and you met this boy, and you didn't marry him, and you regretted greatly. Well, why couldn't Hashem make it that you met him when you were 19, after you met 15 other guys who totally weren't it, and this was the guy at the right time? So d- did you really stand such a good chance? Did you really? And a boy came to me, terrible story. Yeshiva boy, got married, had one, two, three, four, five kids in a row, got a job. And in his job, he was a fiduciary of money. And the debts are piling up. And now it's starts with five kids. He had them like in six or seven years. And then he had to buy a house. They were living in like a two-bedroom apartment. So... There was millions of dollars there that he was supposed to keep in escrow. And he said, you know, I heard there's a stock going up. Everybody said it's going up. He borrowed a million dollars. He said, if it goes up 10%, I'm going to sell it. I'm going to take the $10,000 and boom, I'm going to buy a house. And guess what happened? No, the stock went down 10%, then 20%. So he borrowed another million dollars to try to cover for the first. And of course, it all blew up. He ended up going to jail. His wife left him. His kids didn't talk, and he's sitting in my study crying. He says, I'm such a Russia, such a to such a tippish, crying. And I looked at him and I said, Five kids in like seven years without an education without parents to help or in-laws to help like how did you think you were going to do it did you think you were going to like just hit an oil well in your backyard or maybe like plant a money tree like jack and the beanstalk was going to grow right i said it, it never was fear it was no li la adam i said did you make a mistake absolutely should you be sitting here killing yourself absolutely not i said and that's what tashlich is all about you did shuva you throw it in the water and you say machli machli I did shuvah, and now I forgive myself. So I say to all the listeners who have some regrets that they eat themselves up about, could be about chinuch of kids, could be marital things, could be other types of relationships with the appearance, they weren't enough, they weren't mechabed enough, it could be business, could be education. I say, you really tried the best you could, didn't you? You really did. And you know what it says? It says when the rabbi Shalom has aggravation... Charata. And by the way, the word charata means to cut, like like an incision, to scrape, because it, it cuts into our souls. What does it say? It says, And then the next time around, after the marble, he says, you know what? The next time I have a regret, I'm not going to destroy the world. I'm going to make a, a rainbow. Beautiful rainbow, a bow made out of light, multicolored. And what's he saying? He's saying, I'm looking at Adam and I'm having regret that I made him. But look at Adam. Isn't he trying the best he could? And you know what? He's making a lot of mistakes because life is really very colored, very complicated. Goes back. There are so many things that affect our decisions. And Rabbi Nishom, you know, I look at that effort and I look how complicated it is. And I say, you know what? You tried your best. And therefore, Kav says, I'm not going to have any regret.'" So don't most of us try the best using the information we have at very, at that very time? And didn't Rip Shimon say, and doesn't the Pasek say, if we don't love ourselves we can't love anybody else and we can move on. So what's the avodah of this post Yom Kippur, Karasim Dror Barretz, what does Rabbi B'chai say? By the Shaifer of Yeovil, by the end of Yom Kippur, we should be free. Go back down to the river. Take another piece of bread. You could do tashlach after Yom Kippur too, it says in the Paiskim. Take a piece of bread, throw it into the water and say, I'm throwing away my regrets. Machali, machali, machali. Isn't it going to be wonderful to wake up tomorrow morning with a highway in front of me, so much to do, and nothing on my back. Let's go back to the okay now. Here's a voicemail we got saying it's lush and horror to talk about this on the air. Listen to this voicemail.
1: The in general, when there was a pirza, it seems that our rabbonim always were very careful with the kavod of the person that they had to deal with. They tried to do everything, but not in a public forum, and then finally. There was a lot of Lush and Hara that was said during the, in the, during the presentation. Even if it was L'toweles, the Chavetz Chaim says there are seven tenoyim, seven conditions that must be fulfilled. I, it's hard to believe that they were all fulfilled. doesn't sound like it. Why were names used? The same thing could have been said without any name being used. It's Machshel, the whole large audience in Kabbalah's Lashon Hara.
0: Okay, so he talks about two things. He talks about the seven snoyim that the uh, that the uh, chavetz chaim brings that you have to have to be able to speak and hara. And uh, so let's go through them. The first one is, you have to see it yourself. You have to know it firsthand. Well, the easiest way to know this firsthand is that the OK put on the website. Um, I saw the video of them, of the owner, you know, with the tray for meat. And then on the website, the uh, OK acknowledged it. Uh, the second one is, is, is something bad really happened here? Maybe it could be Luschus. It's hard to understand what schus that could be from uh, feeding people tray for meat. You're supposed to be Moichiyach, the OK. We tried to get them. They wouldn't come on the air. The fourth one is you have to say it a you shouldn't exaggerate we just said exactly what they reported Etc. was on their website. That it should be Latayelis. Clearly, I, ha- I have no interest in any Hashgacha firms. I haven't, I'm not long, any stock of any uh, Hashgacha firm. The sixth one is, is there a way to fix the problem without Lashanara? Well, according to Google, we'll go to this in a minute. It's hard to figure out how many trey meals were served. Could be up to a million and a half, according to Google. We'll get into that. I don't know how you want to do that. And the last one is not to create a hezig greater than Al-Pidin, he would be Mechayev and Bezdin. We're not creating any, we're just informing the ilum. let you decide, you know, let the Besden decide what Ein if any, the okay deserves. But here's, so here's the story, why do I say that? Google says that your average Chinese takeout restaurant serves 300 meals a day. Rabbi Shane was made, he said it here on the air, that this happened in 2004, and that he's been warning on his website Every year that you're eating Trafe, if you're buying from there, it's 18 years later. Do the math. 18 times 50 times 6 times 300. It's almost 1.7 million meals served. That's a lot of meals. So we could assume that maybe, you know, it's it's a fraction of that. That's the worst case scenario, according to Google. Taught to know how much less it is, but that's certainly, uh, so there is a big Avla here. Here's an interesting thing that I wanted to share with you. A lot of people think that not speaking Lush and Hara is the biggest thing you could do. So you see somebody serving tray for meals, you say, no, no, no Lushanhara. and Hara. You see a mech for that puzzle. You say no, it's lashin hara. What do you need to speak for? So here is the pischet shuva in sholchan aruch He says, isi I want to say over here. He says all the Sifre and musa talk about avin lashin hara. I am translating. He says, but I talk about the hepach, the avin gadol Mizeh, a bigger avir in lashin hara. The gam who matzuyaser, it's more common. What you need to speak to be. Because if you don't speak Lashin Hara, the streets would be full of rapists and thieves and people who are Michael, other people, Tarfus, right? Because you don't want to speak Lashin Hara. Is that the intent? Was the intent of Lashin Hara to protect the Oishaik? In other words, the, the bandit? He's plotting right, to kill him. So you're going to say that it's and Hara, to say somebody's plotting to kill you? So this is widely quoted, this Pischei uh, this, uh, Tshuva this, uh, um, in the Pais Gim. And Rabbeinu Yoina, if you want to go to the Rishonim, in Shargimel in, Oiz in Reish Chafalef, he says, Gezel, oishik nezik tsar boishes oinu as dvorim yochel as saper hadvoram lev neyadam gam ha yochid ashiyir yagid la azir la asher ashem loi ulakane la emes." The goal is not to silence. Only helps the criminal, the hooligan, the mobster, the raider, the robber. That's who silence helps. When we speak about it, we defend those who are, are called Ashukim. So look at the, uh, the Peschei Tshuva I cited and uh, the, the, uh, the Shari Tshuva. If you want to look in the Peskyim, you look in the Tzitzeliezer in a number of areas. More contemporary, Having have in the Yichav Adas Brings maybe, you know, numerous forums that talk about this topic of when by not speaking har. I mean, do we want another million kids? You know, they say that tray for food is M'tamtim Esamayach, nevela. I mean, we're not talking about Chalav Yisrael or Pas Yisrael. We're talking about nevela. It's the Mayach. So many yeshiva kids from Lakewood, they used to order their parties from here. And here's another thing that wasn't discussed. I'm surprised Rabbanim don't discuss it. When you have the potential of a million, over a million and a half meals. So here's the question. What Shuva do you need to do if you ate from that restaurant? And where is this discussed? Similar, Shilas. You know, the Divrei Chaim, the Arov, in Chalik Beisim Simon Pezayin, discusses a case where Arov made a mistake. In Mem Son, Mikveh, he measured wrong. And he works for fifteen years. People were using the mikvah, and, uh, and and they were they, were, they remained uh, be And he talks about are you a, a shaygeig or an oynis? And he brings he talks about yachid ha'sha'as p'ei Ras bezden. Right, he's chayv a carbon. So he goes through at length, and he says that if you relied even on a roas chacham or a bezden, right, you're still mechayv a carbon. It's the Parhelim Dovrad. He didn't say that. That's what I'm adding. But you were Saimach on it. It doesn't matter. Why? Because you're supposed to ask. You're supposed to inquire. You're supposed to check. And I would say, particularly, Hiroz Bezdin is one thing. But when you start looking at these Kashris organizations that are privately owned by families, I mean, would you lend money based on the so and so family saying that it's, yes, it's a good loan? I wouldn't. I mean, when you have an organization like the OU, which is, it's run by Rabbi Genek, who's sterling, sterling, and the 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 the, the poisek for the OU is the Harav Hagoyin, Rabbi Arshul Shechta, anybody who knows him, these are living tzadikim, Sifrei Toira, who are the paiskim for, for the OK? I mean, where have they come out? Has any of them come out and said, look, we made a terrible mistake, and halachically anybody who ate from us has to, is, is tzorach tshuva vekapara, and the sanzarov, out the Say the Hatshuvah, as, as he does many others, deny the Behuda, etc. And he says, even if it's a Suffolk, he writes about this. If you're not sure if you use the mikvah, he says, Suffolk Avera Me Avera. He brings it from a Rajba, etc. So, where are the Paiskim for these? Who are they? It's like these anonymous families that we're trusting with our kids' kashras and Timtam Amoyach. And look at the results. So, is it Lashin Hara? The answer is no, it's not Lashin Hara. Bekayim, the Zebin And on top of that, it's a mitzvah, according to the Piskeh Here's a, a a voicemail we got about about this issue.
2: Hi, this is Chaya from Lakewood, New Jersey. I'm calling in regarding the Chinese, the kosher Chinese Express restaurant in Melville. Um, I work in the area, and my office very often caters parties, occasionally caters parties, and they always serve food from kosher Chinese Express. Bar Hashem, I never ate it because I always had my I was never comfortable with the situation. What um, to tip me off was the fact that it was cheaper than any other restaurant in the area. I mean, Lakewood has a much bigger population. You would think that the restaurants there would be busier and therefore would be able to charge less than the restaurants in Manalpan. There's a kosher there used to be a kosher dairy restaurant, and that was more expensive than the liquid restaurant. So why would the meat restaurant be much cheaper? I was always wondering that, um, and I'm wondering why that didn't uh, didn't um, raise any red flags. Thank you for your in-depth analysis of the whole situation. Have a good weekend,
0: Now, by the way, this woman is right. Tray for meat, you could Google it, is 50 cents on the dollar of kosher meat. Tray for chicken, 50 cents on the dollar of uh, a kosher chicken. By the way, I don't know that the mashkiach here is responsible. The mashkiach of the store. What is he supposed to do? Sleep in a sleeping bag in the store all night? So that in the middle of the night, when the owner comes in with the keys that he's not supposed to have and putting in tray for chickens, what is this mashkiach supposed to do? Supposed to be a navi. He knows the owner has the key. He can't sleep in the freezer. He While he's there, he watches, and then he goes home. Rabbi Shane was right when he says, when you give the guy the key, and he's you know not, you know, from Anash, and cashers to him as a joke, you have to be very careful. I mean, just imagine if if you were a mashkiach in a, in a Hindu restaurant, and there was some type of a law that the, they had that a cow has to kiss the cheese before they could eat it. So if the cow kissed the cheese or not, because something from the like, So that's the same way the, 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 the Chinese guy looks at our kashras. Okay, and here's a letter we got. We got many letters, many voicemails. I'm putting forth those that I think are relevant from Avi Feinberg. He writes like this. I personally witnessed this. I was living in New York. He wanted to go to a Chinese. We passed an okay establishment on Coney Island Avenue. Now, Tuda said it was a Mashkiach Tmidi. We walked in and asked for the Mashkiach. We were pointed towards a teenager in jeans and a t shirt with his legs up on a table using his smartphone in the back of the restaurant. I asked the Mashkiach Tmidi, i.e., the fellow in the jeans, the teenager in the jeans, is the restaurant Yashan? He said, Of course. I said, Really? It doesn't say that on the Tuda. He says, well, I'm pretty sure all the meat is yashan. Me and my brother looked at each other and decided to eat elsewhere. The Mashkiacht Midi, in jeans, a teenager thought the meat was yashan. Another issue I had was a friend of mine is a rabbi in Manhattan who was investigating the Barkan scandal several years ago and it was discovered by the Edach Redis that the were Ethiopians without a gear when handling the wines. He was trying to assess what the situation was in order to advise his mispalim and family. He tried cancer. The okay, he hit a brick wall, parentheses, like we did. They refused to give him any information, and he had to go through all backdoor channels to get straight answers, and to this day, they have refused to admit any wrongdoing. The truth is, they had no idea what the issue was before the aide brought it to the, their attention. There was ideas that it's not clear whether the Ethiopians are or aren't 100% Eden, There's different opinions. So what we do is we do a la L'Chumra. So i like will be touching wines. You can understand the issue. He said they just refuse to acknowledge the issue, etc. Self-understandable. So it's sort of like we're, we're noting from various people history. And again, I say it's these private cashless organizations, to me, are all suspect. The OU is, quote-unquote, like a public not-for-profit. Whether it makes money or doesn't make money, neither Rabbi Genak nor Haggai'in Reb Hereshul Shekhter, they make any more or any less. And a private business is a private business, and I think that it's a real issue. And if there are Yerusha and I imagine there are many Uresh Shamayim listening, it's something that we should all be concerned about. So here's a voicemail from somebody who asked the question, what is the OK doing about it?
2: It was very shocking to hear about this Chinese kosher restaurants,
1: how they've been serving trade for so many years. The question is, what do we do about it? So you said you tried getting on the Circle K. The mindset, the Circle K hasn't responded. The only thing they did was put out a letter that they took off the restaurant, the Hefshare. And the question is, how do we go forward? How do we allow the Circle K to continue giving a, a Hefshare on thousands of products that we eat every day without having to own up to it? To anything, they haven't come out with a statement yet, explaining what measures they're going to take to make sure this doesn't happen in the future. <clears throat> how did such a thing happen? Supposedly, they had cameras, they had security.
2: So, how did such a thing happen?
0: Because if they're not, and if they don't have a real response. I tell you, it's Usa to eat in any restaurant, a, a flesh restaurant, certainly, that has an okay hersha. I don't know about the Heksha in general. I don't know if they give, you know, if they're giving on corn and this and that. You, you could eat corn when it can, but pashtas, but uh, without a hersha too. But if they're giving on things that need a hersha, and their response is just, there's no difference. We're not changing any of our standards. I don't know. Does it create a problem? You tell me. Ask the million and a half kids in Lakewood or Manalapin or whoever who, who possibly ate from this food. Now, we had a piece about Satma last week, and we had on uh, Rabbi Eichenstein, etc. Here's a voicemail. So for me, it's hearsay. I could say, look, you know, we know they live in poverty. The statistics say that. But the uh, the rest of the article, I don't know much about. Here's a, a mechanach who says for 25 years, he's being mechanach, boys who are coming from chassidish yeshivas. And by the way, this 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 Rabbi, Rabbi Pollock who's calling in, he's called many times, answer on riddles. And I could tell you, this is a genuine Talmud Chacham.
3: Hello, Rabbi this is Rav Perlak. I called uh, several times. I'd like to comment on your show from last week. Uh, you had this Rabbi Simcha Eichenstein talking about the New York Times article. And I would like to say I read the article twice. And in my opinion, I don't understand why uh, you also agree that it's an anti-Semitic article. I don't, it was an article which... Uh, uh, targeting the, uh, the Hasidic community for sure. It's talking about that—that's what it's about. But I did not see anything anti-Semitic in it. Um, it's, it's sad to say, or maybe it's not sad, but it's, uh, almost everything they write there is 100% accurate. I, I'm, I have uh, I have many, many, many years' experience dealing with with. Uh, I'm a, I'm a I'm a and I'm I have um, very much experience over 25 years with the kids coming from Hedish Hedish schools, and I could say that almost everything they wrote there is accurate. There's absolutely no education. Simcha Eichestam was saying that uh, it's not true, they have have education, but that is only in the chede. In the elementary level, they do give some education, also very poor, and they took Tests and which show that that percent uh, failed, but that's in the elementary. In the high school department, there's absolutely no English, and I don't think any, including Babav, Visionet, Satme, any any uh, there's no English in any, no English studies whatsoever in any of these schools.
0: So when I said the uh, the article was anti-Semitic, I meant it for two reasons. First of all, because corporal punishment, I spoke to a few Hasidic boys, and they say they never got hit, and it was becoming, you know, really déclassé. In other words, it's not accepted anymore. And additionally, what bothered me about the New York Times article is that. It's a very liberal paper. That's their shrine. What does liberal mean? We accept any, you know, any perversion, any type of a deviation from the norm. We have to, as a liberal, we have to recognize you, right? So, Native Americans, themishabeach, African Americans, aden Saif. gay Americans, LGBTQ Americans, trans, everything, every. We we, we accept. We're totally open minded. We accept every style of life, except for one. If you're a religious Hasidic person, that's the one we have absolutely zero tolerance for. To me, that's anti-Semitic. If that's the only thing that you choose, that's anti-Semitic. So that and the corporal punishment. But otherwise, Rabbi Pollock says, look, I, you know, he's an aide. I'm not an aide. I'm ishmi Pish. I'm not used to say, what's ishmi Pish? There was <laughs> ret veis nervous and dere was Okay, we're going to go to the next part of our program with uh, Rabbi Broyd. And uh, before that, I want to, let's listen to a voicemail, because let's clear the air.
3: Hi, uh, you mentioned that uh, you're going to have a Michael Broyd on. See the guy who uh, made up, uh, created a fictional
4: character to be his Rebbe in a and turns out the whole thing was totally made up. There was no such person ever,
3: you know, just to build up his own, uh, I don't remember the whole story, but... This I remember for sure, creating the fictional character as somebody to be his Rebbe, to be the big person who he get letters from. It was really all him, um, and he lost his job as a Rav and things like that because of this. Is this that guy that
4: you're having on? <laughs> Genuine Talmud Chacham? Charlotte? <laughs> I don't know. I, or it happens to be a relative of mine, but that doesn't, you know, if a guy did that, you know, created
3: fictional characters to build his his, uh, you know, whatever, um, you know, his image and who knows what, I, I mean, maybe it's good. I had to look into this before you put it on your show.
0: So I looked into the terrible, terrible scandal that happened with Rabbi Broyd. What was it? He, he prints forum and articles. He created a website and in this website, not under his name, he was Meshabea, his articles and his book, sort of like, you know, in Google, you make your own likes. He created his own likes for his forum Now, there's another way to do this. It's called buy advertising dollars and print glowing things. You know, get somebody to say glowing things. Or to have big banners when you come to town. Sadik That's another way to do it. He did not do one of those two ways. I'm not sure. Maybe he didn't have the advertising dollars. Or maybe he didn't have, quote-unquote, enough followers to hang up signs about him. So what did he do? He created his own chassidim and he wrote a shvach on his articles and on his sefer that you should read it. It's fantastic. It's really worth reading. It's great. I have to tell you, as Averis go... It's a pretty small one. Like we're talking about feeding thousands or tens of thousands or a million tray for meals. We're talking about somebody who put uh, Amazon likes on his safer. I don't know. I think that, okay, it's you were caught. Is it embarrassing? Absolutely. As a virus go, I think that when you reach this one in your hates you're sort of reaching the bottom of what most people uh, do. So based on that, I felt it was perfectly appropriate to have Rabbi Broyd, who is a, a you know world expert in law and religion, to uh, come on to discuss about both the why you matter and the matter that happened in uh, in my David. So this is really a very interesting uh, interview. And now for the riddle of the week. Since Sukkot is coming, I want to notify everybody that at the end of this program, I will do five Sukkot riddles that you could ask in the sukkah, and you could debate, and you could argue about. But here, I'm just going to put in one for time. We're coming to Simchas Torah. What is it? Torah Tziva me rasha so the Gemara says in Sanhedrin and Teshuva Meral of Amu Reb Akum Shaisik b'Tayra Chayev Misha. She nemar Tayra Tziva lanu may bei Russia, lanu may Russia, v'loy So an Akumans Chayev Misha Shaisik b'Tayra. The question is, we just had literally in the last parshas kasaft alavonim as kol divri atayra zois bear hatev. It's chazayin ches and Rashi says bear hatev b'shivim loshin is the gemara in sight and aflamitei. And if you look in the Ramban, right on the spot, he says that they wrote the, the whole Torah in shivim loshin on the rocks so that the umasaylam should be able to learn from them. What the umasaylam learn from them? Rabbi says lanu my rasha v'layla hemay rasha. Torah tziva lanu shemay rasha kehilas yakev. So it's a steer from the Gemara in Sanhedrin to the way the Ramban, Rashi, and the Gemara Saita learn the Pusik of a ksavta called khaledivriya So that's our riddle for this for this Shabbos and for, uh, I guess, for the next two Shabbosim. And again, and all the uh, psukhish riddles we will do at the end of the program. If you want to leave a message by phone or dial in by phone to listen, in America, our number is 732-806-8700. In England, it's 44, I think that's the country code, three 33- 011 70250. And Eretz Yisrael it's uh let Let's go to our fabulous guests.
1: Joining us from Atlanta is Rabbi Michael Broyd. He's an esteemed law professor in Emory University. He runs the Center for Law and Religion. Welcome, Rabbi Broid. Welcome, and it's so nice to be here. So Rabbi Broid, after we had that... Um, our guest from Beckett discussing what was going on at YU. You sent an email, a detailed email and a very informed email as to why you thought they would actually lose the case, and you were correct. a Few weeks in advance, Could you explain to the lay, our late audience why the you know the attorney for Beckett was wrong and what an effect? Um, why you think YU, as is, is great as an organization as it may be, is actually at risk here? I, I don't know for sure that YU. Was-
4: not at all but i know that the case is much more complicated um than it's being presented to the to the torah community and why you might really lose this case there's a big word in the word might not it will but it might and it's worth noting that although they won the original stay in front of judge cutler in the lower new york court they've lost every single case in front of them Since then, they lost the stay in the appellate division. They lost the stay in the New York Court of Appeals. They were granted a four-day stay in the United States Supreme Court, which was a very short victory, and then it was taken away 5-4. The YU case has some merit, but the YU Pride case also has some merit, both in the law and in the facts. And it's important to articulate it out loud so people understand why you chose not to create a corporate structure for Yeshiva University like a religious educational institution. It's not chartered the way Chaim Berlin is chartered, and it's not chartered the way St. John's is chartered. It's chartered the same way Columbia is chartered. Read, the Yeshiva part of YU, is chartered as a religious institution. But Yeshiva College has a charter that, if you looked at, looks like Columbia's cop- charter or NYU's charter, a secular charter. Second of all, it has already a, a, a YU pride club at Cordoza. Uh, there's a general hesitancy in American law to allow secular corporations to have exemptions from anti-discrimination laws. And finally, 25 years ago, YU shared a memo in its own name, in which it conceded that the New York human rights law found it between these four things, the law and the facts makes this a harder case than um, you might think if you only read the internal Tow press. It's true whyU has counter argument um, counterargument counter argument is even though its corporate structure is Secular, what we'll call its form, its substance, at least in its college, is religious. That's a, well, that's a good response. But all disputes where one side says form and one side says substance uh, are hard. They're not simple. They're hard. And you have to acknowledge the possibility um, that, that, um, that you lose. Uh, those those cases. And by the way, let me reflect, uh, reflect on the fact that in 1970, when YU rechartered itself, the RUG screamed out in a very loud voice at a Chagas Micha in 1970 that he thought this was a bad idea and that he didn't know exactly why or how, but he understood that the risks of changing the charter from being religious to secular um, were scary. And the RUV was very much against, Rabbi Soloveitchik, was very much against this change in 1970. Why you did it anyway? And it worked well for 50 years, but the fears that the RUV had have now um, have now come
1: true. Um, oh, the so, Rabbi, I brought a few things. So, when the attorney for Beckett said this would affect every yeshiva, it's not really so. Is that fair to say? Because most yeah. yeshivas are not secular, but they're 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 incorporated as religious institutions. Is that correct?
4: Yes, and it wouldn't even affect the Jewish theological seminary or reform. Hebrew Union College. So here's it's a question for you: reform.
1: Why wouldn't they just reincorporate like um, like uh, St. John's did? Like, what was the benefit? For well, what was the benefit of them incorporating like Columbia, not like St. John's, which is a very big, a huge college?
4: There's some money available in New York called Bundy money that's not provided to religious and only provided to secular colleges. And why you wanted access to that money, and in addition, more generally, running a medical school, which while you was running in the 70s, is um, more complicated as a religious institution
1: and not a secular institution. So, is, two questions: Is Bundy money still available?
4: Bundy money is still available, yes. And how much is it? It's not 100% clear how much it is. It's a a considerable amount of money, and so, too, there might be access to the New York Dormitory Authority. There's all sorts of money that's only available to uh, secular institutions. But why you can be more nuanced than this? It can recharter parts. Like Turo does. Turo is what's called a university and college system. The medical school is chartered secular. The law school is chartered secular. The college is chartered religious. There's no rule that requires that uh, uh, a university have the exact same charter for every single part of the organization, but
1: is the Bundy money is the Bundy money available to the religious part as well? And do they take advantage of it? So would you say if they decided to go recharter as religious on the you know the whole university? You know, hey, it's it's three million dollars a year. This is the cost. Like, is, is there any way of like sort of doing that analysis?
4: Yes. Well, the harder question is as follows. Now that the Supreme Court has made it clear that the government cannot discriminate against religious institutions, I think the better thing for YU to do is to recharter religious and sue saying that the state may not discriminate against religious institutions in funding. That's what the United States Supreme Court has told us a few times in the last ten years that when government opens up a pot of money to a goal, it has to allow religious institutions to that goal. Let me be very legally clear here. The government can say we are funding people who work in AI and not in Talmud. And and they're allowed to discriminate based on outcome, but they can't say anymore, starting about ten years ago, that we're funding every college that has an AI program a thousand dollars a student but not a yeshiva with an AI program. So the government can still discriminate based on outcome, but it can't discriminate anymore based on your charter, making the whole funding structure against religious institutions much more constitutionally objectionable. So then
1: why don't, I'm curious, why don't the yeshivas then, why aren't they suing for Bundy money and the Catholic schools as well? So uh, so
4: it's important to understand that Bundy money goes to secular education. So you can't get, meaning the Bundy money says, if you produce students who major in chemistry, you get $500 a student. It doesn't go per student. So why wouldn't money.
1: St. John's sue for Bundy money? Uh,
4: I think everybody is going too shortly. The Supreme Court only made it clear in the main case less than six months ago that such funding discrimination is unconstitutional. And I'm sure that over time people will collect themselves uh, to sue.
1: So in your opinion, Rabbi, you believe that YU, it sounds to me, should reorganize as a religious institution. Certainly, the university—not not, not necessarily—it's well, it doesn't have a medical school anymore, but it's law school and maybe it's a psychology school, whatever other schools it has, and its and its university, which is the yeshiva, uh, is well, which is already religious, should restructure as a religious institution and the Bundy money that they lost, they should just sue for us, and they would be in the same position without having to deal with the uh, with the gay groups.
4: I think that that's a, a it, I think that that's a better approach for yeshiva. And let me throw out, by the way, another approach which is even more complicated which has been adopted by a few evangelical Christian colleges. Let me pick one out in conversation. Baylor in Texas is the closest thing we would get to uh, an evangelical why you. I mean, it's hard to do these analogies, but They're a from Christian institution. Um, They have an explicit Christian charter. It reads as follows. Baylor University is controlled by a predominantly Baptist board of regents and is operated within the Christian-oriented aims and ideals of Baptists. That's pretty clear. And yet they formed an LGBTQ club. They put a a Christian minister in charge of it, and they charged them with asking the following question. How does a person with LGBTQ orientation function as an evangelical Christian? Another approach why you could take is you could
1: try to answer this so question. Wait, I'll, I'll so, so, so let's say they answer it. They say, well, we don't see an issue with it. Okay, let's go talk off Aleph, whatever they do in LGBTQ. I mean, they can ask the question, but it's not going to stop the club from forming and functioning. Right, but
4: but you could make Rabbi Mordechai Willig the faculty advisor. Meaning clubs have ha, ha, have faculty advisors who control what the club does. The club's mission could be to ask what I think is a legitimate question, which is how does a person with LGBTQ orientation function al Tara That's a good question. And I don't think there's anything, there's no Avera in, thinking about that question and um, you could try to run such a program Altara Sakotish. That would be hard and complex and not so simple. Maybe it's easier to just um, say uh, we're not gonna run such a club. But I just want to lay out for you that many Christian universities have chosen to more
1: frontally address these issues Altara Sakotish. Let me understand what you're saying. You're saying they're basically saying look, we have gays amongst us. Well if you're uh, and gay is a hormonal genetic thing. Let's work with these two assumptions, okay? So yeah. they're basically saying, okay, you are a gay Christian. How, how, as a gay Christian, are you supposed to function while keeping all the laws, the religious laws that you? And the truth is, uh, somebody who's Jewish is in this position has that issue too. And the answer is, they're not allowed to perform any of the acts that the Torah forbids, and yet they're somehow supposed to function in a in a society in a most challenging, challenging way. So basically, make this the head of the club will make this the the goal of the club to answer these questions. That's what you're suggesting.
4: I'm suggesting that as an option, meaning. Um, is that there are Orthodox Jews with LGBTQ inclinations is not a secret anymore. And um, they're at YU and they desire to be, um, I'm going to say from, I, I don't really know, but it's a valuable question. Another way to think about it is to try to say, how does a person with these inclinations function al tara And that could be a theme of the club. Many Christian universities Run such clubs, Altara Sakodesh. and they use the club as a forum for talking to students about how to be faithful to their faith while acknowledging that their
1: there genetic differences. There are British. You're you're besides being a. Uh... Uh, an attorney, a very uh, well-known attorney, an expert in religion and law. You're also a rabbi. Let's take a a hypothetical case. If they they don't have the stay, well, the the Supreme Court said, go back to a different court and get a stay there and then get another stay. And if that then come back to us, you exhaust your options. Let's say they didn't have the stay and the club uh, was going to function and in a not altaros or manner. We now have and they're going to advertise, they have a right to advertise in the yearbook, etc., etc. Would a rebbe have a problem? We A of an institution that now is basically partners with a gay club that has to authorize a gay club.
4: So I want to note that YU has many options to resist. Don't, uh, even if they lose, one of the things they can do is they can close all non-academic clubs. Meaning, even if they lose, they don't have to... Uh, they can say there shall be no social clubs at yeshiva. So even if they lose at every level... It doesn't require that they open an LGBTQ club. They can decline to open any social clubs. Many institutions that don't want to have these problems simply decline to have social clubs.
1: Or alternatively, they, or alternatively, what the, right now they're just looking the other way. They could just say, "We're not endorsing any social clubs. You all, you all get the same treatment."
4: Absolutely, they can say, "Or oh, there are no official social clubs. There are unofficial social clubs." Okay. But
1: okay they don't agree
4: there, there are many
1: choices to resist what right. else give me a, give me another one um
4: They could move all of the social mm-hmm. clubs that are consistent with sora REIT and have no secular social clubs. interesting That's another way they could do this. They could limit clubs to having um uh, a much more academic mission. many universities do that. they. Who say
1: clubs only exist as part of the university? There's so, Rabbi no Brady, clubs. I'm, I'm not going to let you dodge the question. That's my job. So, let's assume none of these options would work in a hypothetical world, and now they had to do what the, this judge, Lynn Cutler, wants them to do, which is to acknowledge and to endorse a gay club. If you're a Rebbe in the institution, can you remain so? What do you say? Look, it's just a side. Or do you say? Look, I can't partner with this. It goes against the title.
4: Thank God. Why you has a plethora of Russia Yeshiva and I assume that the Russia Yeshiva, the Dole Torah that they are, would uh, resolve this question for themselves. They don't need me to
1: answer I'm just asking you I'm just I'm not it. asking you to resolve
4: it, I'm asking your opinion. Uh, well could I you walk could
1: uh, you walk through the different stubborn?
4: I can walk through the stubborn, that I'm prepared to do. Okay. On one side you would say that opening such a club is a, it has an aspect of is the Ufa like right. the university club that's permitting in Avera. On the other hand, you could say everybody understands that the yeshiva is being coerced by the secular courts into doing this, and you're better off letting um, these clubs exist than closing the whole yeshiva, and that this is a, a, a balance of, of the gains and the benefits associated with these choices. That was the calculus yeshiva made um, when it had a medical school concerning some things that took place in the medical school. Not every time in Torah is is everything the Alamo and you have to die for it. Some things you do have to die for, you have to close the institution for, but not everything and not every uh, situation. So that requires a certain very tight analysis as to um, what the reality looks like and whether this is a situation in which... Um, this is the Alamo, or this is a place to beat a hasty retreat, because sometimes it's better to retreat to fight again at another time. That's the stubborn in a Shiloh like this. We don't always stand our ground in every situation, no matter what. Countless votes chose not to fight the battles over mixed dancing in the 1950s at their own events. They didn't say, "Oh my gosh, this is Yahari all you for." Like
1: which yeshivas? I'm I I'm not aware of it. Just give me You'll a little, little story on
4: your program to talk to you about mixed dancing at yeshiva events in the 60s. I'm not interested. Okay. In, in being Moshiach, but it's no secret. But I will say it's no secret. They felt that on the whole, um, this wasn't um, this wasn't the event to to die over. Um, not every. Violation. Of no, the we, hello. We, we, okay.
1: we, without a doubt.
4: that's that's, just, that's an important idea. Thank God, yeshiva has gedolei Torah, who I hope don't um, confront this issue. And by the way, why you could choose to cease to recharter, and avoid this issue. I hope it's a, I hope at a suitable moment and without um, too much complexity. And maybe Justice Alito's four-vote dissent is going to turn into five votes. Justice Alito's strongest point is, is that the New York City human rights law has so many exemptions that YU is entitled to one as well. What Alito says, restrictions on religious exercise that are not neutral and of general accessibility rarely survive what lawyers call strict scrutiny. That's the strongest argument Yeshiva has, and maybe that will persuade the New York courts or the United States Supreme Court to reach that conclusion. But between you and me, just in a moment of legal honesty, when a a justice writing in the name of four justices says this is actually the opinion of five justices, you have to be a little bit skeptical. If they had five votes on the court to rule in Yeshiva's favor, I assume they would have.
1: I would add on to what you said before about the Alamo, you know, in, in Bayez Cheney, there were more than 70 Kehanim gedalim who paid for the position and were clearly unworthy, right? All of whom died on the job, but, but they didn't close the base Migdash. That's
4: correct. The Cheshbon is very complicated. And even though the rub was opposed to this recharterization in 1970, the president of Yeshiva, Dr. Belkin, thought that without this recharterizing as secular, Yeshiva would fold under financial pressure. He understood the risk, and and this kind of balancing is is complicated. I hope that um, the one above gives the leadership of Yeshiva the wisdom to thread this needle correctly. It's a hard one. I hope they get a better ruling now from the New York Court, and I hope that if that doesn't work, they get a better ruling in the next trip up to the Supreme Court. But um, but you have to... Sometimes the most important thing you do is not believe your own propaganda. And um, here, the case, YU's case is weaker than you might realize if you only listen to the Jewish press
1: let's talk about the following situation we'll talk about it in a hypothetical way because the situation that occurred we don't know the facts a teacher applies to a, an orthodox school a clearly orthodox school kids are yarmulkes um, they teach all Hebrew you know it's Hebrewing, you know it's a it's, it's a curriculum of tyro right and they apply as a woman and the applicant is a transsexual now according to the jewish belief you know going through, you know marrying a man as a transsexual i mean this it, halakhically there's all kinds of prohibitions involved and what is what am i fearful as an educator and a, and a parent hi dad or abba or why is this person you know is it a man is it a woman explain to me you know the little boy he's 5 he's 10 what's a man what's a woman what's the difference how does somebody go from one to the other I mean this you don't want it you just don't want it to be teaching your kids about this as well as the halachic stature of this person is such that they are clearly not you know they're over, and 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 you know if it's not a Sarasadibris it's, it's 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 certainly in that zip code. It would be f- terrible from a chinech point of view, from a shita point of view to have such a person. On the other hand, discrimination against you know anything that has to do with the LGBTQ community is like is wow. You could unleash the wrath of the New York woke court system on you. Um, what do you do if you're a school? So let's step
4: back. There's not enough. Let's do the hypothetical a little more detail. Um, this person applies to be a Limude Kodesh or a Limude Chol teacher?
1: Either. If it's, if it person doesn't matter. Applies,
4: it does. If the person applies to be a Limude Kodesh teacher, the school has near-infinite discretion to hire and fire Limude Kodesh people for any reason um, at all.
1: That takes Limudeh Chol, then. Well, why is that, by the way? Educate us.
4: Um, because the New York human rights law clearly includes religious institutions functioning in a religious way. And a Limude Kodesh cho- cho- teacher, let's imagine we hire a Rebbe, and halfway through the year, the Rebbe decides he doesn't want to be Shomer, Tovar, and Mitzvah. So while a school should write its employment contracts in a way that says we expect you to be Shomer, Tovar, and Mitzvah, assuming it writes that in the contract, or it doesn't have a contract, it's understood that a school is allowed to fire uh, uh, Limuday Torah people because they're not uh, complying with the suitable role models to be a Torah uh, representative. At, however, the school defines it. By the way, I don't care if it's, you're in a pop-up school and you become Bob of her, or you're in a modern orthodox school and you become sotmer Schools are allowed to hire, insist that their role models, their religious role models, be suitable. But let's take a school that has a policy of secular teachers
3: um,
4: aren't subject to any such restrictions. We would hire an intermarried Jew, a non-Jew who's married to a Jew. We would hire a physics teacher who's a homosexual. Whatever it is, the school makes decisions as to whether it expects secular studies to be role models. Now, when the school says secular studies don't have to be role models, um, then all of a sudden the school is up and says, but this one we expect you to be a role model on, that's pretty complicated. That smells like it's discrimination. So a school can say, for example, we expect all our faculty, um, Torah and secular, to be religious Jews. For sure, no doubt about that. It can say everybody in this building is a role model. There's not a problem with that, and there are well known schools that do that. They're makadesh the Chol that way. But if a school says um, you can be uh, anything you want other than
1: LGBTQ,
4: commit any one of the Averas in the zip code of the Tariag Mitzvah, but not this one. Let
1: me ask you a yes. practical question because the, the real world is very often different than the hypothetical world. Mm-hmm. Where is school? And we have non-religious teachers because sometimes in English, secular studies, you just can't get haredim who are either qualified or who want to do it. Right. Right. Now, we, we speak to them. We say, please do not, you know, we, you, you don't talk religion in class. You wear a yarmulke while you're in the class. You make believe, whatever, but we don't, have, we don't discuss that. We need you. This is nobody trigonometry is orthodox, blah, 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 blah. Now, when somebody comes in and they're transsexual, and this becomes widely known this is not like um don't ask, don't tell. This is like front and and face of, uh, it's like, you know what I mean? Uh, This is the whole topic the whole school is talking about. So you can't say it's been like, I would say our school policy, our hypothetical school policy is don't ask, don't tell. And now what happens, a transsexual teacher comes in and slips through. And by the way, this was done deliberately because there are 99%, I would say 90% of the schools of New York care less, you know, what affiliations you have on a personal level, right? But you're coming to a... Religious school. Well, you know this is going to make a rash, and it's not really. A lot of the t- people are saying it was just a, a request to, to sue, but that's the reality. Like we have to have non-religious teachers, but w- but it's don't ask, don't tell, and this is very front in your face, right? Well, so it depends. Did the teacher meaning? I
4: want to know it as follows. Let's change the hypothetical just enough to make it analogous. I hire a non-Jewish, uh, a non-religious Jewish teacher to teach trigonometry, and he has a non-Jewish wife.
1: But we nobody know. knows about it, he doesn't bring I his agree. wife along. Right, but now it comes out, and everybody's talking about it. I who he's married to is not, is not going to get conversation. When the, when the transsexual is sitting in front of the class, that's that is that's is, you know that's the, good, the the 800-pound the gorilla in the room, right?
4: Right, but I want to note as follows. If the teacher violates the rule of don't ask, don't tell, um, then the school fires the teacher for violating the rule. When the trigonometry teacher says in the middle of trigonometry, by the way, my wife isn't Jewish, um, that violates the school rules.
1: But again, even I agree with you that that violates the rules. But it's not nearly as front and center as if he brought his his his, his non-Jewish wife to teach alongside him, right? Of course. So I have a trans- So here you have the here you have the the teacher. He brought his wife with him, and I was, this is the transsexual no, teaching. I,
4: don't think, I think that you know, yeah. Did the school give a contract? I it's very important to understand. Are you a teacher at will? Did the school give you a contract? The idea that we... Well, let's
1: say they gave... Let's, so walk me through both ways. If they did or they didn't, walk us through the so legalities both ways. If
4: they didn't give them a contract, every teacher is then a teacher at will who can be fired for cause but not for discrimination.
1: Well, this, they're arguing discrimination. That's going to and be the argument. They will argue
4: discrimination, and they have a good case because they didn't bring it into the classroom. Somebody else did. Meaning this is a very important idea. When I say to the teacher, here are the rules, play the game by the rules, and they do. And one of the rules might very well be that parents don't swoop into your home life. Meaning it's complicated. It's complicated to figure out. And you're saying, know, Rabbi
1: and what you're also saying is that since it's secular studies, even though it's a religious institution, the discrimination laws don't, do apply. Is that what you're saying?
4: Well, I'm saying as follows. The school has decided that. I didn't decide that. You can easily imagine a school which says all of our faculty are role models, and we're all held to the same standard. We only hire people who are religious role models for our children. It's easy to do that. I went to such an elementary school.
1: But once they step out of that and they say Hebrew, yes, secular, no, then they're a fair game to the discrimination laws.
4: Then the school has committed to not discriminating. The school has said the religious exemptions don't apply to this job.
1: Okay, now let me take it a step further. So on the school, we had a non-religious teacher who, is, who married out, or, or just a non-religious teacher, period, right? right. Who, who you could say, look, if you're taking non-religious teachers, clearly you're saying that the secular are not role models, because he's not religious, so she's not religious.
4: No, I don't agree with that. You can have some role models. You must be a role model in the building.
1: She has to wear a yarmulke, let's say, in the building, or... Or something like that. Okay. Now they 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 violated that. They had people who didn't win the amicus. This trans teacher came in and they fired her. Now they go to litigation and they're sued for damages. Is the damages the um the contract till the duration? Because I imagine my granddaughter would be happy to pay that. Or is it plus a hum- humility? So it's it's not to twenty two thousand. It's twenty two million or two million two hundred thousand. Because I was humiliated. I was you know. Well, the, well if, if
4: I were the tool in this situation. I would not terminate the teacher. I would continue to pay them out the contract and not put them in the classroom. Countless schools have turned to teachers and said, we will rubber room you. I think that's the term it's called. You will sit in the office and do desk work, and we will not terminate. There's no, no, I, there's but, no but, oblig- You have no right to do your job. You only have the right to be paid.
1: No, but wait, now I'm the teacher. Let me do it the other way, okay? I go to court and I say, look, they rubber roomed me. They didn't rubber me because my kids were getting bad marks. They didn't rubber on me because there was bad behavior in the West. They rubber me because I was I was trans, right? And right. that's discrimination, and I want damages for that.
4: Right, so I think that the general rule in the United States goes as follows. Um, in a year-to-year contract, um, if we fulfill the contract, there's no damages.
1: Okay, you know what? I hope I hope every religious school teacher, school principal is listening to our program.
4: But this is a very important idea because school, you know, let me flip it the other way around. Um, I take a job in a Catholic school teaching math, and three days into the Catholic school, they look at me and say, "Broid, um, we didn't realize you were a rabbi. You're fired." I say that's not fair, meaning uh, the idea that you can breach a contract. Um, You can breach a contract because you signed a contract and then realized it violated your religious rights is not fair or proper to the other side. Contracts exist independent of your religious intent. The time for the school to decide whether it wants to hire this teacher or not is before they give them a contract. This is meaning I want to note you and I all live by contract.
1: It's true, except the person was hiring did not know that the, the person dressed but, like a woman in front of them was trans. So it's, it's but, different but than if a rabbi comes in, and calls himself, my, I'm Rabbi Broyd with my yarmulke. I'm teaching in Catholic school. Like, you have to be but, blind to miss that, right?
4: Do you think it matters if Rabbi Broid comes in wearing a baseball cap? But he's, yeah. if he's
1: called rabbi, I would think I, I just difference. think it,
4: I think it, uh, he, I, I want to note as follows. Um, the school is called upon to investigate before they sign a contract. I, I, I don't know this, I don't care about this specific fact almost. Do you understand? The school gave this person a contract. Upon any reasonable investigation, they could have determined the truth. They only determined the truth after hiring. Uh, it, it's not fair to give somebody a contract, and then after you give them a contract, realize that your faith
1: is implicated in the... Okay, good. So, is, is so, so, so Rabbi Roy, let me go to another. This, this actually may have happened. You terminate the teacher and pay them for the full year. Will right. you still, Can you still get sued?
4: I think if you terminate them and you pay out the contract, it's very hard to imagine a suit for damages. I complied with my agreement. Um, Meaning, obviously, if you give them a 10-year contract, this is very expensive. But if you give them a year-to-year contract like schools customarily do, in a difficult case, you pay out in In a case in which you don't want to teach in the classroom, but you don't have grounds for termination. This occurs all the time, not just here.
1: You just pay them out and you're done.
4: And you pay them out and you're done. But the idea that you'll, you'll that the secular idea that I can breach my contract because after I sign the contract, I realize it violates my faith to comply with the contract. That's not a universe I want to live in, actually. I agree with you. I, I mean, you sell somebody a house. And after they sign the contract, before the closing, they realize, oh, I don't want to buy a house from a religious Jew. I think I want to say, well, gee, you're supposed to come to that determination before you sign the
1: contract. All right, Roy, this was fantastic. It's, you know, it's, it's nice to speak so, to somebody who actually knows the facts and the law. Okay.
4: It's good to talk to you, and it's a pleasure. Take you. We'll give it over to you all.
1: Call, Bye. Bye-bye. Joining us from Eretz is Rav Eli He's a teacher. He's a Rebbe. He's an editor. He's, be, he's editing the series right now of Tsurba And he's spoken about transgender surgery in Halacha. Welcome, Rebeli. Thank you. So, while researching transgender surgery in Halacha, tell us of your findings.
5: Okay. Um, we can start at a few different angles. Um, I don't know if you'd prefer to start with the question of whether it's permissible or not permissible, or the question of the status of a person who undergoes such a gender change. Um, we can start from really either, either point. I guess if, if, uh, if you want me to start from a uh, question of whether it's permissible or not. So this is a very, obviously, is a complex question because, number one, it's not just a question of, uh, of halakha. Um, but it's also a question of uh, reality of of things that are happening in the world and new technologies, and technologies that were developed uh, over the past uh, 30, 40 years. And it's important to remember that we're we're dealing with uh, we're dealing with people and not just halacha in a vacuum. That being said, uh, it seems from many of the the shiros and the halachic literature about this topic, for which there's not that much. Uh, there are a number of different responsa. Uh, that speak about it, and a number of different articles that have spoken about it, have written about it in the past 20, 30 years or so. And from what, what the, most of the Hawakha literature says, it seems to be that in a normal, regular situation, that uh, such a gender change, um, all the surgeries that are involved, involves uh, a number of potential halacha gisurim. And I'll uh, elaborate briefly about each one without going into uh, extensive detail. The first one, and uh, one of the most uh, serious ones, is uh, serious. Is uh, the question of uh, of re- removing castration, call it in English, uh, removing the reproductive organs, uh, which for a man uh, seems to be anisodorisa, according to the Torah, and that's how how and uh, posk uh, For women, it's a little bit more complicated. It's a bit of a machlokas, uh, whether uh, for women it's in Isidro Raisa or in Isidro or perhaps uh, even something less than that. But in general, it's assumed assume that it's definitely at least in Isidro and perhaps in Isidro So that's the most, one of the most serious concerns of somebody who undergoes a gender change, uh, is that they're uh, essentially doing surgery to, uh, to remove their original reproductive, biological reproductive organs, and then trying to create... Um, through surgery, ones of the other gender. Again, these are just the Rache just the, the general uh, overview of the points, but th- that's one of the most major concerns. Another concern, which is raised by a number of uh, the Poleskin, is uh, Begadisha and begadish. We know that the Torah says um, that a man is not allowed to wear the clothing of a woman and vice versa, and um, uh, Gamar discusses very briefly, and, and the Rishonim discuss uh, different activities or actions that are forbidden for a man to do because they are actions that a woman generally engages in. Certain types of dyeing of hair and other things like that uh, are generally or, and this is all you know, discussed in the halacha in Yeridea, um, These things are forbidden if it's something which is uh, which is generally done by the by the other gender. And I think it's the Sifri or a few of the other sources that say that you can't act in a way. Of uh, similar to the other genders. So, first one, I believe, who mentioned this point was uh, Rav Meir Amzell, who wrote about it in Hama or in one of the journals many years ago, Rav Bleich, uh, in his Contemporary Halakhic Problems, uh, Volume 1. So, he points this out and I think a few of the other articles mentioned it as well. Um, but this is really get to the essence of that potential prohibition, meaning a person that doesn't just act like the other uh, the other, the person of another gender, but in fact, actually becomes that person, meaning he does he or she does surgery to become like that person. Really, should be potentially in violation um, of such a prohibition. In addition to that, there are a few other potential issues that that are that are mentioned. Havalah, a person who injures himself, that's also a halachic problem. Uh, one is not allowed to injure oneself. It's discussion in the Gemara and Bavkama. Now, because that in general, a person is not allowed to cause injury to himself for no uh, no good reason. And the post can bring up uh, in a different context, which is not really our discussion now, um, but in terms of cosmetic surgery, which is somewhat related to this question, there often is a major discussion in the post on whether... Uh, chavala, where most of these surgeries involve techniques which probably qualify as halakhic chavala, chavala uh, bruising the body uh, in a certain sense, uh, again without going into any details. Um, so if it would be prohib- prohibited in that case, if you're considered to be bruising or injuring your body in order to have surgery, there's a major question whether that would be allowed in such a case. And without going into good details, there are some postmen that say that it's permissible in a case of cosmetic surgery. Do
1: you know anybody who wouldn't do cosmetic surgery because of chavala?
5: So again, it's a discussion in the post-game. Uh, I don't personally, I'm not involved on this on a day-to-day level, so can't answer that I know or don't know. That wasn't really my, my point here. Uh, my point was that even if one does allow it in the cases of cosmetic surgery, um, the main reasons why it would be permissible there is because it's for a, a, um, uh, a positive purpose. The question here, if the purpose is potentially, how we forbidden in the first place? The question is whether one can consider um, this type of purpose permissible that would allow Havala.
1: Uh, no, I, 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 I would say that even... The, the, the reason from what I remember why the price came or my show is because if it's mm-hmm. not done right. Chavol is if it's done for a, a malicious thing I want to you know I, right. I, I, I mean if somebody's doing it for what they believe is a helpful reason you know you could think they may look they may look better with their with their old uh, nose or their old chin it doesn't matter it's not it's not done in a militia in other words, it's not done to injure it's done to right. to to right so so I don't I, I, I find that to be really a, a sidebar so what, what Let's go to okay. the I, other.
5: I, I, the I other. I, I let's,
1: let's go okay. to the other ones. Okay.
5: I, I didn't mean. I just. I did, I did not mean that, that. was. It was definitely us because of how. Yeah, yeah, hello, just, hello. yeah just, I understand. Just
1: the article. Comes up. The, the articles yes. that you wrote threw everything at the basically the kitchen sink at the wall, and this is one of the things. Here's my question right. to right. you. Here's what I would ask. Let's say a guy or a girl, like they said, listen. I'm I'm a male or a female trapped in the wrong body, and I think most of us would agree that the people who are doing this, you know, who are, who are going to this level, are people who are in great pain. I mean, this is not, you know, changing somebody's gender through surgery is not because they're trying to impress their friends, you know. So and and the suicide and the suicide level is very high among these people, right? So my question would be, is let's say somebody would say, come to you and he said, listen, Rabbi, I notice that it's sort of like soulbush. but for me, it's Pikuach Nefesh. All right. What would you say?
5: Okay. So you basically took the words right out of my mouth. I guess this is a case of Baruch uh, Shetivant or Baruch Shetivanti. Um, the second half of my my uh, brief point here was going to be exactly what uh, what you just mentioned. So I guess I'll, I'll present it uh, in my my format first, and then uh, we can discuss it a little bit further. Basically, everything that that we said until now is is what um, what's on the books, meaning most of the halakhic literature that discusses it. If we mention uh, the potential prohibitions that we mentioned before, the problem is exactly as as you mentioned that we have a serious concern here um, of many people that have. Serious issues. I don't, if, you want, if they want to call it illness, some people will call it illness. They're living a very tough life, and if they feel that they're trapped in the wrong body, and they feel they can't function properly the way that they are. So that's a major, major question, and this is something that that uh, that today's post can uh, need to evaluate very seriously, and the post can need to, you know, understand that most, that people that would come with this halakh shayla, assuming that they're, you know, uh, they're, they observe halakha, um, they obviously are coming, they, they realize there might be a question about it, and they, they have some serious issues involved, and the post they have to try to understand a little better exactly how the person is feeling, their emotions, um, their emotional state, and if, you know, if they would qualify themselves even as being mentally ill, which is a possibility. These are all questions that really do... Could affect the halakha, but it's hard to give you know general guidelines. What I can say, based on what you had asked, and which I was going to mention myself, is that the stats, at least the way that I have seen them, are such that the suicide rate, as you said, is much much greater in many of the people that that suffer from this. Uh, it's called transsexualism. Um, some people that that feel that they're they're in the wrong body and they want to have a gender change because because of that. Um, one of the studies I saw from 10 years ago, I think, was that the suicide rate, the attempted suicide rate, was maybe 40%. Again, I'm not the I'm not the expert here on that, so I can't verify that. Um, however, the fact, the very fact that we know that there is such a serious concern about this is something which could potentially change the halakha in. Um, in certain cases, however, again, it's hard to give blanket uh, blanket rules. What we could say is that if we knew, if we knew about an individual person, and perhaps this is a possibility to consider um, on a broader level, that uh, that many people that are suffering from this have this concern, have this have this tendency towards potentially committing suicide. And I've heard about one or two cases of, uh, on my own, even um, where this was a concern. Um, so certainly, one can argue. That, um, that the kuach nefesh would be a serious concern, and perhaps it would be permissible. However, that's not something that we can just say, you know, blankly in every single case, that always makes it permissible. Uh, one has to discuss, and this is something which the, the contemporary post today really have to sit down and, and to discuss and come up with, with some, some guidelines, and it's probably something that needs to be individually based. Uh, one can argue maybe that you know, suffix suffix.com, that danger is something which is based on percentages that is discussed in other contexts, but uh, when it comes down to it here, we have a lot of different issues that come to play here, and it's certainly something that a proposal should and, and can and should take into account uh, in individual cases, but it's not for me to um, say that based on this, I would say that it's always permissible to allow such a change. It's something that has to be discussed, at least in my opinion, on an individual basis and something that the, the major person has to um
1: so you, you clearly can't paskin because that uh, fish on a, on a coal you stick a thing. You would have to go to. I'm just curious, if, so if, have, if need, I, have yeah. you seen any of the paskin address this, but it would be a shallow because that fish, would there be any way so, to?
5: Right, so that, that's what I mentioned before. In the written literature that I've seen so far, I have not really seen it. I think it's something that's just coming out over the past, you know, 10, 10 years or so, that this is a real concern, and my impression is that the Postman that wrote about this previously may not uh, have been aware of that problem, and maybe the suicide rate wasn't even as high back then, I, I'm not sure myself, um, but if Postman, I hope Postman will be writing more extensive articles about this in the future, this is definitely something that should be that should be considered. Uh, I mean, I you, morally,
1: have, you have a Shiloh, yeah. you know, are you allowed to be Michal Shabbos to write a kanea for a chayla? Right? And, it's, and it's a big need in, in, the, in the Shulchan Aruch and the Paiskim. Are you allowed to? Are you not allowed to? Because even if you're not sure, does it work? Doesn't it work? I mean, because an argument would be he says it's because he, she says it's because that fish. Maybe if I cared, maybe it's because that fish the other way. But if they think it's because that fish, is that what matters? Or is ultimately the, the, you know, the difference? Does it have to be something that is. So These are complex things you need a God love there the
5: it 's a, a very complex thing um, again in a person's one could argue um, at least in theory that that if in a person's mind it's considered to be for themselves, then it may very, may very well be because somebody who commits suicide um, that's exactly what's happening. everything is going on in their mind. Um, that definitely has to play a role. But again, as we said, these things are complex. As I mentioned before, the mental illness question is also a question. Uh, we know there are certain leniencies for mental illness, according to many post-games. One has to evaluate, you know, post has to evaluate whether these factors are play a role. In addition, there's another also uh, an important point that should be taken into account here, uh, and that's, that's uh, public policy is a major issue when it comes to this. This is a really serious uh, and a relatively new question of uh, public policy now that more of these cases are coming out into the open. Um, and it's not something we can just say, well, because there's a in this case, we're going to say that if they're automatically permissible, one really has to weigh all the public policy issues and all the other uh, potential implications and ramifications of such a decision, both on an individual level, individual case, as well as um, more of a community. And that's, again, not something that uh, I can do in this forum or at all, really. Um, it's really something that the have posts. So there's a lot of other cases in Halei and this is not really this forum, but there are many other cases where post can, you know, have discussed uh, the question that even though there may be potential for certain things and maybe even important reasons why one should do things, if they felt that the damage uh, on a long-term um, yeah, that's yeah. a serious question, you know, when you're dealing yeah, with
4: the
1: yeah, same so. thing
5: as the post can talk about in terms of uh, in vitro fertilization, IVF, so, again, not for now, I'm sure you've already discussed this many times in the past, but there's a major machlokas of post, and, you know, at this point, many post do permit it, but along the way, and even right now, those that deal with this question are aware of a lot of different guidelines and limitations that have to go into play in order to permit it because we're so concerned that certain aspects of the genealogy of Qal Yisrael, of, of Yichus, and
1: Right. It's not something
5: that can be taken lightly in every in individual case.
1: Right. Right. And
5: again, that's, that's why really you know, the good way person has to discuss, and each case also has to be individually evaluated individually um, to to see whether you know, how to how to put all these factors together, and at the same time, to keep in mind what I mentioned before—that we're dealing with real people here and sensitivity, and, and especially we, we talked before around Yom Kippur time. Um, to speak about such people has to be one has to be very very careful about what one says in all in all directions. You know, a lot of
1: people tell will tell you that it's uh you know it's a mental illness, right? You'll, you'll hear that very commonly in the yeah. and my yeah. my response is I, I'm not a psychologist, I can't know, but I do know one thing: the Gemara discusses somebody who was born with two heads. Right? Does we have to, to put on filling. right? We talk about people who are born without legs, with one kidney, with the heart on the wrong side of the body. I mean, okay. people born without a heart, right? So every type of physical ambiguity is accepted as a reality. What would there be against us to say, hey, like this is a, a man born in a woman's body or a woman born in a... Man. If we've seen people born with two heads, why can't we understand that there could be a woman born in a man's body or a man born in a woman's body? That's what I'm trying to figure out. Like, why is this such a, you know, why isn't that a possibility? Everything else is possible.
5: Right. It's a very interesting question. So there are actually some sources out there, which again is hard to deal with, uh, say, I'll like, you know, and, uh, you need a uh, longer share. Um, but if one who searches or one who Googles online uh, and some of the other, uh, you can find some of, these, uh, some of these discussions. There's a whole safer called Door Top, written by a uh, Arav from, I think it was written by 15 years ago, who has a massive safer just on these topics. But uh, there, there are a number of uh, sources which seem to say on some level, that uh, it is possible that there may be that uh, a male may indeed have a, the nishama of a female, or the fi- a female may indeed have the nishama of a male. Um, this is mentioned in the, the Ben Chai in his commentary on the Torah in, um, uh, uh, on the project of Loya Yechli Al Isha. He presented he, this possibility, I believe it's from somewhere in the Yohar, the um, Kapachai, even in a halachic discussion. Um, he raises this possibility also that maybe somebody has a yogle there their previous you know their the previous body that the neshama was in was a female, and then now it, it turns into a male neshama. these things are are definitely possible. The question would be even if that's the case, we can perhaps understand a little better how this may happen again, I cannot understand anything about how caught sparkles well, gumari says D- some-
1: Dina was supposed to be an ish, right.
4: Right,
5: correct.
1: And Kabbalistically, it says when it says, Av right. yet, Dina Yetzan Haisa, right. because she was right. had in the Neshama Ish, right? So we right. See, can see it in the Taira, yeah.
5: Right, right. so that's mentioned also. That's, by the way, the in is in the forest. I think it's Targum Yonasan who mentioned the one, what you said, but others disagree with it. She right. agrees. I don't remember off the top of my head exactly who says what, but um, that's, that's discussed as well. We can see there that there definitely, certainly could be possibilities in theory, about how this can take place, that like one could have neshama or a, you know a body in you know with the mind of uh, the other mm-hmm. gender. At the same time, the question is whether those halakhic sources are a basis to allow some of the prohibitions we mentioned before. And that's where, at least until now,
1: nobody's we're
5: not, not been, talking right, we're have not not not, not, about We're not
1: talking about it as a reason to be deri right. surim, because we don't we're not we we go with you know what given. We're just saying the right. people who have this like burning anger and rage and outrage and like, like if the person showed up with two heads would you be outraged? No. So they showed up in the wrong body. I mean Rabindranath right. right. created a Bria that, that, that does a lot of funny things, right? Hurricanes right. and typhoons and people born with all types of irregularities.
5: Right. So what we can say is again, as as we mentioned, that this definitely could be a phenomenon which is discussed in certain sources. It's not, you know, widespread phenomenon in sources. It's definitely no. something which could be understood. But at the same time, one has to consider um, the pain and this you know, what's going on in of the So
1: there's nothing. There's nothing. Not uh, these people haven't done anything wrong. Anything more than, or these people have these inclinations any more than somebody was born with two heads or without a leg. You wouldn't say, why can't you dance with a tiny Okay, they have to live within the conscripts of halacha. But the the anger at at, at such, a, how could it even B, etc. I I I don't I don't have any of that wonder. I mean, I just look around the world. and right. I you see so many right. things right. to Again, wonder at.
5: Right. Every every single person that has difficulties and challenges and serious challenges in life, why they're ill? Why you know, why does this person get this this terrible illness? You know, we all ask those questions. And I mean, I know, we, you know I know personally,
1: I know a boy who who never married, and he told me, and I know him, and it's true. He says when he has to decide whether to buy white tissues or blue tissues, mm-hmm. it takes him six hours of of thinking. I just you have people with these anxieties, and another person looks at this. I don't, I don't even understand what you're talking about. Or people who have to so, wash their hands two hundred times. So we yes, can understand. So, 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 so let me ask you. But logically, from my simple understanding, I mean, if, if you turn a male into a female or vice versa, it has no, it, it has no standing, right?
5: So that's also a question. Um, in brief, I'll tell you what some of the opinions are um, about this question. So. Um, most of the posting that I've written about, at least in uh, in writing, um, seem to take the opinion that that you mentioned, which is basically that halakhically we view the person as they were born, um, and if they were born a certain way with uh, that genetic makeup and with their external appearance a certain way, that biologically a certain way, that halakhically that that would not change. Um, that's the opinion. Just to mention some of the names that are that are quoted here: the Nishmas Ram Doctor Abraham, and uh, his sages. He seems to take that approach. The Yaskil Abdi, Avdi Ravovadia hadaya was a post in about a hundred years ago or so, maybe even little less than that. He also he first says it's very he says it's clearly forbidden to do such a surgery, but uh, he says also that he seems to imply at least that uh, that would be um, something that would not change uh, even if they did a surgery it would not change. You have, the, you, have of, uh, that, hmm? you have to
1: create an argument to explain why it should. I mean, the simple reason okay. is it shouldn't, right? So, so how would you com- okay. How would you build yeah, that? That it seems that, to be.
5: So uh, let's, let's uh, again, and there's a few other posts, I mentioned right, Life, a few others, a lot of them say, say uh, take that direction. The one that perhaps says otherwise seems to be uh, the titillator of uh, uh, Waldenberg. Really? So particularly there, a number of was about this question. Um, each one is a very specific discussion, and it's a little bit uh, challenging to try to understand how to derive a conclusion from all of them together to understand what his position was about this. Um, but he seems to say at least in one of the Yud, um, where he discusses the question of a divorce status, meaning somebody who, who did a gender change who was already married. And he cites a number of interesting sources which he seems to understand. Again, he quotes other earlier sources as well about this, that perhaps once they are once they're already met, ma- sorry, if they're already married and then they undergo a gender change, then they don't, a of divorce would not be necessary anymore because now the person is in a different state than he was before. The Voldemort does not go all the way. He doesn't say 100% across the board that in every single um, situation or every single halakhic context that, that this would be the case, that the person would be if he was a male and changed to a female, that he would, he would become a female and everything. But there are definitely plenty of postkin out there, more recent postkin that seem to understand um, based on the Sixthly that that's exactly Exactly what he's saying, and again, the sources he quotes are he quotes some later achron which don't you know don't exactly explain what the basis is for it. There's a couple there's a couple sources that maybe seem to uh, imply this. That once the uh, the status has changed, the logic would be that the external appearance is basically what's machriya. That's what decides. Really,
1: so again, where the, where first, is, where is, and where is
5: this tshuva? May ask. I don't remember again, the, so it... the, the first tshuva in is in Yud, uh, okay. on, I think it is he uh, okay. discussed this question of the divorce status, where he seems to conclude after a back and forth discussion he seems to conclude that the uh, that the change in status um, once it's done, it would change the person's status to be a female such that they wouldn't how the divorce would not even be necessary anymore the
1: ex-wife would not need a, a divorce that 's what he says
5: Right, and, uh, something basically, but again he doesn't spell out all the points it's, that's why it's, it's I think so. Um, what I can tell you is again the second point is what seems to come out from his tshuva and maybe one or two others um, is that that perhaps in these cases we should follow uh, the person's external appearance. I mean, even if biologically and genetically they, they uh, have a certain you know they're they're a female, um, if externally they look like a male, they act like a male, they talk like a male, uh, etc. So then maybe there's halakhic basis for that also. They should be considered a halakhic male. Again, it's hard to say that this is explicit because the tshuva they're not so explicit. There's a different tshuva. Waldenberg later that maybe said something a little bit different but again and I should mention also by the way that not every not all the Rebunner understand understandwaldenberg this way um, Rigal Schaffer and Puman uh, volume 21 uh, seems to understand Reb- he claims claimswaldenberg Reb- was not giving an ex- an absolute explicit uh, um, guideline here for every single case He feels that that's not true and even Waldenberg would feel um, that such a person is uh, who has a dead I'm, I'm, I'm just I'm
1: trying to, to think of a cogent argument that's what I'm looking for.
5: Okay. Now again, what I can tell you here is that this creates some some serious health challenges. Meaning, you know, if we follow the majority of postkin who who say that um, who say that that the gender has not changed. So, if you're dealing with a person who's already undergone undergone such a change for whatever reason it is, um, you have a serious problem. They're going to be it's going to be very very difficult for them in many 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 ways. So the question would be, even if you know many most of the postkin today you know, do not accept the arguments of Waldberg in some of these cases or don't believe that they're applicable in these cases. The question is um, whether there's any room to consider being lenient for them to follow the gender that they've changed themselves to simply because it's going to be very difficult to live their life uh, otherwise. And that's, again, a question that's not for me. It's for the Gidoli Haposkin. Some Gidoli Haposkin will say absolutely not, and they'll say essentially what you said and what many other about them say, that that the vulnerability is not enough of reason to be make illist, you know, logically, and many of the sources do not seem to follow that. And others perhaps, might suggest that even you know, though he may be more of a of a das yachid, um, uh, it's not so much opinion. of a
1: das yachid. We're okay with das yachid. We're not hearing a cogent argument. That's the issue.
5: Right. So again, yeah, it's hard for me, but with because of Waldenberg, is not so explicit about exactly you know, uh, giving the um, uh, the the logic here more than what I told you about the external appearances and more with some you know, more than some of the sources about giving uh, giving a get. Um, he seems to clearly assume. That's uh, that's the case. I I can't explain much more than now. You know, did
1: did tra- our bond, me? surgery existed in Oldenburg's days?
5: Y- it was, yes, it seems to be, again, I'm not the expert on this, but it seems to be they were already doing such surgeries in uh, in Europe already in the 1920s and the 1930s, For what I saw, at least maybe even in 1960s in the United States. Again, I'm not, uh, this is not my field. Um, from the literature that I've seen, it seems to be that it was already around. I don't believe it was probably as widespread and maybe it wasn't as developed. I'm sure it wasn't as developed as today. Um, and Waldberg is dealing also with a few other cases where somebody already was born with a defect. And again, that's also why it's hard to completely extrapolate from some of his, uh, his as to exactly what the case cases that, uh, that we're dealing with here. Um, but again, the question is whether there's anything to be based on here so that when you know, there's, if there's a shah of the could one conceivably come along and say you know, there's room to rely on Revolneberg even if it's uh, biv- difficult to, un- to understand um, when you're dealing with such you know, difficult situations when people, somebody's already in this, this case. That's really the question that, uh, that the Postman has to ask and some may, many may come to the conclusion that there's nothing to be said and others may say no, even if it's you know, it's, it's difficult to understand. But certain Gdolia Postkin were willing to at least entertain and maybe Toskin in some cases that this is true um, so perhaps it's something we can, we can consider theoretically to, to rely on.
1: Okay. Thank you very much. This is really fascinating, Rob Rebelli. I appreciate your time, and I'll go to your bench, Joe. Okay. Okay.
5: Okay. Thank you, and again, keep in mind that we're, because we're dealing with you know, sensitive issues here and real people, we uh, have to really take that into account when we're uh, analyzing the issues um, to have sensitivity to uh,
1: to the people involved. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye-bye.
0: You know, after listening to Rabbi Ozer, the following thought has come to mind. The Gemara in Sanhedrin, is it Ayn Hey or Ayn Zion, talks about a case where a fellow says he's in love with a certain girl. He saw her. And if he can't talk to her, he's going to die. And she's a Pnuya, so there's no Issa. And the Gemara says, let him die. Why? That there shouldn't be Pagamishpacha. There shouldn't be B'nai Yisrael, where sort of, this is hanging over their head that somebody could want to talk to them or say they're going to die. What does that mean? For social policy... We say, even pikuach nefesh isn't doicha. And that's what Rabbi uh, Aurov was saying here. He's saying, even if we want to say that it would be muta to allow transgender halachically, because you say it's pikuach nefesh, but the g'daylum now have to say, what social issues does that create? What social policies does that create an issue when there's a guy in the women's shul, a woman in the the men's shul, etc.? What questions it brings to mind? It may be nothing, it may be something, but it's definitely a conversation. So here are five riddles we're going to ask on Sukkot. Amarav the Gemara Vav Amaralaf. Belil what do you do? You magdim Leishiv Basukka, and afterwards Shechiyanu. Ay Shechiyanu is Tadir. Chayves comes before Tadir. So you do, first you do Leishiv, and then you do the Shechiyanu. Shver, the Mishdubur says in the beginning of Reishayin Bey, tough Reish Bey is, that you magdim Tfilas Arvis before Neris Hanukkah. Why? Because tadir, vishayne tadir tadir kaidim, L'chayra, the chayvus hayyim of Hanukkah, is adlakas Neris. So according to the Gemara and Sukkah, first you should do adlakas naris, which is the chayvus hayyim, which has kedima before the din of tadir. Just like by Sukkah, what do we say? That chayvus hayyim trumps tadir. They're both reasons what come in Chashivas, but chayvus hayyim is more chashiv. Why by chanaka do you say adlakas naris doesn't trump myrev? Riddle number one. Riddle number two: Tushalchinarach and Tafresh Samichvav says Hayoishu besukah lach archagasukas says over b'altoisif mar in sukkah right memzayin and memchess. So why don't you find that a oichal matza after a pesach is over b'altoisif? What's the difference from a yoishu besukah that he's over b'altoisif, but a oichal matza is not over b'altoisif? Riddle number two: The Rama in Aleph says that a katan that doesn't know Yitzias Mitzrayim you're allowed to be maichel matza erev pesach. Machtas HaShekagel explains, "Ah, you're not allowed to be Meichel, davar Dabar, Asa, He Here it's muta, because it's achilah's an achilah of hetar. It's just azman of iser. Good, if it's achilah of azman iser on that, there's no din of isa l'achilah Question is, Magravram himself writes, in Tafresh Mems of Katen Gimel, they are not allowed to be Meichel, cotton Chutz, L'sukah, even though chutzah sukkah is a meichel heter, bisman isser Erev pesah you're allowed to be meichel hematzah. Why? Because it's a meichel heter bisman By sukka you're not allowed to be meichel him outside of the sukkah, even though it's a meichel heter bisman iser. a Stira in the two halachas. That's riddle number three. Riddle number four. The Gemara says that Rab Gamliel was machmir not to drink water outside the sukkah. Like my father Zechariah and was mach, but also... <generic administers> it's interesting. The Tav Tafreish Laman says, Tess says, something that's Potterman like a Mitzstyre, he's not makabel Schar, and he's a hediyot. It's not doesn't rise to a Mitzvah, it's foolishness. So, since water you're allowed to drink out of the Sukkah, why would we all Machmer Lishtes Mayim Besuka? Sukkah? Harry Kola Potter, v'iseyu Nikra Hedjit. Riddle number four. Here's riddle number five. And I was there when this happened. in Archie Strong, when I was there, Paskin, that once a boy is sleeping, or once a person is sleeping, he's patam in a sukkah. What did it have to do? The Shiloh was, there was a boy, he snored in the sukkah. So the kids who slept, they said they can't sleep. So Zalman said, carry him outside. Once he's outside, he's patam in a sukkah. Once he's sleeping, he's pata. Take him out now that he's sleeping, and then you sleep. So that's what, I don't know if the boys did it or not, I don't remember. It was a whole shock levitaria. But he passing that a yashin is potta min ha-sukkah. It's negative shulchanarach. Shulchanarach had a rechaim simen samach gimel. Sivhei says that what? That if a person is sleeping and he's going to miss man kriyashma, you wake him up. If I man shema, why don't you say, wait, now he's potta min a mitzvah so yashin is potta min a mitzvah Why do you have to wake him up for? And trust me, Reb Shlem is manu, this halacha. So how could he say that a Yashan in the sukkah, just take him outside, he's pata. Why? It's negative halacha that says the wat, that a Yashan you wake up to do kriyashma. These are our five riddles for sukkahs. And we will read the winner's names out, the week after sukkahs. Hagod kibben shtior and chag sameach.